You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 215. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You've reached The Local Maximum. Welcome to the show. We have an extra episode this week because of the Fast News Week in order to get content about Ukraine out relatively quickly. Uh, as you know, I was in Ukraine to teach at the Lviv Data Science Summer School back in 2019. And now, you know, I'm seeing a lot of the places I've been to become the target of uh, the target of war, which is insane. I've never seen anything quite like this. Uh, I, I started to reach out to some people that I met there to see, you know, how they're doing. And maybe we'll see if anyone else wants to be on the show. But first, I thought I'd talk to Polina Shevchenko, who was in my class on Bayesian thinking back in 2019, and is currently a lead marketing data analyst at uh, a company called Bolt in Tallinn, Estonia. But more relevant for today, Polina grew up in the Donetsk, uh, Ukraine uh, region, for, forgive my pronunciation, Donetsk, Ukraine, which, as you know, is one of the cities in the far east of Ukraine, which in many ways is at the center of this global conflict. So we're going to get into a, li a little bit into the background today, but we're not going to get in too deep because I think the best thing that I can do on this show is to bring you personal stories as, you know, particularly up-to-date information that's that's accurate is very difficult to come by these days. But, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll be going into um, more of the background as as the weeks go by. Um, and we'll get more current information as weeks go by, but up to the minute stuff, as you know, is, um, is very difficult. I apologize, first of all, in advance for the sound for the first 10 minutes of this episode, which is from my computer and not from the Zoom here, which is, uh, because, you know, it's, it's totally listenable, but I was so focused on the story and this, this, you know, this whole thing's getting is a little bit, uh, is pretty intense. So I forgot to turn on my zoom for the first 10 minutes. So apologies there. Uh, please power through it. It's mostly Polina talking, so it's fine. Polina also gave me a link for donation ideas, which I will, uh, talk about at the end, including the red cross and some crypto Bitcoin donation spots, which is actually turning out to be a, a big deal here. Uh, but let's get into the interview. Polina, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. Hey, Max. Hi. I, um, well, I just want to say, first of all, it's really good to see you again. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you and everyone who I met in Ukraine. I know you're not in Ukraine right now, but um, I thought, uh, you know, I just wanted to get your stories. I'm doing this podcast. So, you know, what's that seems to be the, the best thing I could do right now. I don't, you know, we're watching this from afar, what's going on and, and you kind of feel like there's nothing to do. So it's like, you know, I don't know, but um, I, <laughs> I feel really bad. Um, but first of all, let, let's just, I just want the audience to meet you. So tell me a little bit about um, what you do and, and where you are now, and then we'll get into like where you grew up. Uh, yeah, of course. So, uh, well, I'm Polina. Uh, I live in Estonia right now, but uh, I'm from Ukraine. I moved uh, six years ago. Uh, here in Estonia, I I mainly work at Bolt. So it's a large uh, techno startup or let's say scale up company that is mainly operating in Europe and uh, Africa. It's called uh, uh, a Bolt, just to make sure I got that right. Bolt, yeah. Bolt, okay. 
Yeah, it's uh, ride hailing, it's uh, food delivery. Uh, I work there in uh, uh, MarkTech and data analytics. And uh, yeah, uh, as I said, I'm originally from Ukraine. Uh, well, of course, uh, obviously I identify as Ukrainian. Uh, and uh, yeah, the last four days were even more, uh, they were completely ridiculous and scary and horrible. So definitely appreciate everyone and uh, you, Max, in particular, reaching out and offering help in any way that you can and uh, find suitable for you at this time. So you're not just from Ukraine, I understand. Are you from, you're from the, um, you're from the, the eastern side that now, uh, are, are you from Donetsk? Uh, yes, I'm from Donetsk. Uh, okay. So, so I, you probably never thought that your hometown would become like the, the center of world, you know, no. of world geopolitics. But, um, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was it like? What is your, what was your hometown like? Did you see, did you grow up there like your, your whole childhood? Like what, um, uh, tell me about it. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I'm almost 30 now. Uh, I turned 29, uh, last week and okay. the first 21 years or something I, I spent in Donetsk. I was born there. I grew up there. I went to school and uni there. Um, it was totally normal. Um, Let's say we never were particularly Ukrainian, but I would honestly say that maybe for the first 20 years or so of Ukrainian independence uh, from Soviet Union, most cities were not like locally Ukrainian besides uh, far, far west of Ukraine. So we were just, I don't know, we were just people from Donetsk, I would say, living like regular life, uh, not being particularly prone to thinking that we are Ukrainian or Russians. Um, uh, where, so um, I, I'm, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm usually pretty good at this. So you were born after the Soviet Union or not, probably not long after, right? Am I, am I making that correct? Yeah, Soviet Union, uh, well, uh, Ukraine gained independence in uh, uh, 1991 in August. Right. And I was born one and a half years later in 1993. Right, right. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, uh, that's, um, that's really interesting. So where I, what was your kind of, um, so you were there for 21 years, you were there until 19, or sorry, 20. 2014. 2014. Okay. So, you know, was it the, um, was the political situation that, that caused you to move or, or the job situation or, or something uh, else? Well, like, I don't know the best way to put it. I think it was just life in a way because right. uh, we actually, uh, so um, we, we left Donetsk with a couple of friends uh, actually during uh, the whole weird, horrible occupation stuff that was going on, but it was still fairly calm. Like, uh, we already had some small bombings and uh, people with the guns on the streets, uh, but like there were no large-scale bombings. People weren't hiding in bomb shelters, so it still felt like I wouldn't say like a joke, but it didn't really feel real. And right. I was 21 at the time. Like, of course, it was horrible and scary, but it still felt like it cannot be real. Right. So we didn't particularly leave because of that. Uh, but it was summer, so uh, me and my friends, we were done with our exams and we thought, 
okay, like it's summer anyways, uh, it's horrible situation at home, we can go. Uh, we went to volunteer uh, in another region of Ukraine, and uh, it was almost eight years ago. And yeah, eight years ago, and I I've, I've never come back home. Oh wow! So you, do you still have family there and like and yeah. friends there? Uh, I won't say that I have many friends there. I have some classmates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have family there. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been in touch with them recently? How are they doing? Uh, yeah. Of course. Uh, well, it's. It's always been hard there, like since uh, again, like there is no proper definition for that. But uh, since uh, um, the Republican star, uh, stuff started there, uh, now I guess it's even harder because, uh, well, uh, the war uh, that is going on right now in Ukraine it's uh, bringing additional difficulties to that part of. Uh, that part uh, of Ukraine as well. Uh, it's also not very easy to talk to to people, to even families, because uh, uh, politics can be very dividing when you have different political views or even mm, sensitive political views after being on very different sides of the spectrum for for years. It's really hard to discuss that. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's happened here in the U.S. Uh, a yeah, lot recently. I and uh, I mean, it was for me. It was kind of nice to to move and, and kind of get in a place that was a little more uh, chill. Um, but uh, I don't want to start. I don't want to start going into my tale because the rioters in my town were nothing compared to what you guys are going through. Um, so uh, um, uh, yeah. So okay. So so you're in Estonia now. So how did you end up in, in Estonia? Um, was it just the was it just the job of Balter or was it? Uh, other, I mean, I, I, my understanding is there's more like job opportunities in Estonia. Is, is that correct? Or, or I wouldn't say so. No? Uh, like there are definitely lots of very interesting job opportunities. That's for sure. Um, but Ukraine is much bigger. Ukraine is also very um, specific with taxes. So uh, if you aren't particularly uh, interested in the betterment of your society, uh, you would rather maybe stay in Ukraine. What I mean by being particular with taxes is that we have official 5% tax for many people who work in uh, in IT. So it's very different, of course, with uh, the taxation that uh, most of European countries have. Um, but uh, why I moved here? Well, I moved here six years ago. And back then, honestly, I moved here with uh, my partner who got a job offer here in one of the startups in Estonia. But uh, yeah, after that, uh, why I stayed is, uh, well, I made my life here. Uh, It's also much calmer place in Ukraine, or at least, well, it definitely used to be. (laughs) Right now, it definitely is. Uh, But yeah, I built a life for myself here, so I stayed. Cool, cool. I mean, you know, I'm glad you're out of harm's way, and it's easy. It's crazy to see the, you know, earlier I I was looking at pictures of like the, the um the train station in Lviv of like all the people um yeah. trying to crowd and I was like holy crap I was there you know I, I was there at like six in the morning that, that one that one morning when I was uh I traveling actually around I saw this uh, video I think like uh, as well and I thought oh my god the last time I was uh, I was there when I was uh, going from uh, this um, data science school that uh, you and I met together right right not like a completely different world yeah yeah uh, it's it's hard to believe so much stuff happened. That was 
that was later, that was, was six months before COVID. So, I mean, it feels like, yeah. So it feels yeah, like. Actually, yes. Oh my God. It's like forever ago. I know. It feels like a million years since ago. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I, I guess one more thing about like uh, Donetsk, and I feel like there's a lot of, and the Eastern side, I, I feel like there's a, a lot of, I, I get a lot of kind of talk here in the US, like people think they know everything and they're like, oh, those areas just want to be Russia. Why won't Ukraine leave them alone on one side? And then like, you know, there are people who, who what's, what's really going on? Are they divided? What, uh, mm. Tell me, how, how would you? I'm definitely not an expert as uh, those Americans. I, don't say anything, <laughs> get in trouble. <laughs> don't say anything uh, in trouble. You can say just how, how you feel. And no, I mean, maybe- uh, honestly, like, even if I would want to get in trouble, I'm so not an expert because I myself don't fully understand what is going on. Okay. It's definitely not true that everyone there wanted to, still wants to be a part of Russia. Um, well, a lot, a lot of people who used to live there, they left. Right. Uh, some of those who left, they were scared. So maybe they would prefer to stay and be a part of independent republic, be part of Russia, whatnot. Lots of people who actually stayed in Donetsk and uh, the regions, uh, lots of people who left, they were pro-Ukrainian or they were definitely not willing to be part of whatever was going on there. So yeah. I, I think that is uh, very incorrect. Um, then, of course, like, there are there might be different wishes at any point in time. They don't need to define us necessarily in such a strong way. Um, let's say like how I remember the whole situation, right? Uh, like it all went very fast. So we just had um, so we had Maidan in uh, in the end of 2013, uh, winter of 2014. So it was a time when we had, uh, for those uh, who, who don't know about that, uh, we had massive protests going on across Ukraine, uh, pretty much with the goal to, uh, well, first we were protesting uh, against our president and our government deciding to side with Russia instead of uh, going with uh, EU and uh, moving towards um, joining EU as, uh, well, the government promised. So it started with protests uh, against that. Then people started being beaten up. People started being killed. So uh, it's, it went very huge. It escalated a lot. Um, and uh, eventually we actually won. So the president, the ex-president, he fled the country. Uh, but what was going on in, uh, in Donetsk uh, in the same time is that uh, we also had kind of like local Maidans, so those local protests, but uh, um, I think, like, largely because Donetsk is actually the hometown of uh, this ex-president, and uh, I guess he most probably felt the need to control it more, uh, there were much more pressure and much more provocations to stop those protests. So they weren't as strong as everywhere else. Then, uh, I don't remember all the specifics, honestly, but uh, after that, the... Um, like they started some talks about some provocations about uh, that we need to be an independent republic. Uh, I think our uh, main, like not the city hall, but essentially the region hall, uh, it got occupied by people who thought that we need to be independent. And 
uh, I myself remember that it felt so strange and crazy. Like um, we had this, I mean, I guess we still have in Donetsk, we have this uh, nice park uh, where this uh, region hall is. And it was just fully occupied with um, like people that you would never expect to see in the city center, like people who would smoke on the streets. It was uh, back then prohibited. So it's not something that you would usually see people who would just drink on the street there. So it uh, didn't feel like a regular regular person from Donetsk who actually came to voice their opinion in a peaceful, even semi-peaceful way. Um, so yeah, it's, it went really strange, really fast. It was, there was a lot of um, propaganda going on. Like I remember talking with lots of older people saying that, oh yes, like finally we can be independent and we are feeding the whole country. Uh, but I don't honestly remember, maybe I didn't notice it, but I don't remember those talks or this narrative going, uh, going around before that. So it was something that suddenly appeared. Uh, we had those uh, protesters uh, who would go and uh, protest for, for independence. But then again, like those protesters would repeat from city to city. Um, I remember at least back then, like uh, Ukrainian media showing that there are buses with people coming from uh, Russia who just uh, go around the cities uh, going on those protests. So, uh, yeah, um, definitely lots of people my age, well, we would prefer for this to not happen. Lots of people of other age as well, they would definitely prefer Donetsk to stay very strong as it used to be as part of Ukraine. So, um, no, I, I very much disagree that uh, with what uh, people who say that they know everything and that... Donetsk just always wanted to be Russian, what they're saying. I don't know everything again, but uh, that wasn't my experience at all. Yeah. No, I, it, it makes me think, like, it must have been um, very different. Like, I think about the school I grew up in, and it's like, okay, like, you know, we have we have the American flag, and we've had this for, what, 250 years? Like, you know, it's been it's been the same country. And when you were in school, you would have had teachers, you know, who probably had, they, they probably used to teach it was the Soviet Union. And, you know, they, they had to make that transition. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I almost want to ask, like, what is, like, are, like, um, what did your, I, I'm trying to think of, I, I don't know how to ask this question, but I'm almost thinking like, okay, like how do your parents' generation look at things uh, differently? Because they were born in, in the Soviet Union, presumably. And, how, you know, how, how does has your generation look at look at things differently? Um, um, I don't know if you have any, any comment on that. It changes so much. Yeah. Like, let's say, uh, I think if we take the spectrum, right, right, then the previous generation maybe more towards uh, or used to lean more I cannot say right now I don't live there I don't have that many contacts there but used to lean from my perception back then more towards this whole independence narrative mm. uh, while younger generation would lean more towards uh, we don't want this happening yeah. here uh, then again like I used to have I still do very uh 
um, biased circle of friends, right? So most of my friends were, of course, uh, uh, highly educated pro-Ukraine people who would understand what uh, all of those suggestions would entail, or at least like partially understand. Uh, yeah. While all the people would be, I don't know, like distant relatives, uh, some other people that I know. Uh, but yeah, definitely like some of my teachers, some of my university teachers, they were very welcoming to what was going on. It was honestly terrifying because, well, I guess uh, you can relate to it because uh, you think that, uh, you know, the person your whole life and then you question something that uh, is extremely valuable to both of you. So political opinions, whatnot. And it's really hard for you to, to distance yourself from it. You do. Sometimes it totally makes sense to, to distance yourself from that, but it's still, it's, uh, it's shocking every time. But then again, like uh, I have teachers uh, who, who moved to independent Ukraine. Uh, yeah, independent here sounds weird. I just was talking about those independent republics, but who moved to Ukraine, to Ukrainian territory, right. who are very pro-Ukrainian. So wait, you're saying they yeah. moved to Ukraine from, from where? Uh, from Donetsk. So they used to live in Donetsk. They they had their whole life there. But right. then when um, independence uh, came, uh, they moved to Donetsk. Uh, they moved out of uh, out of those territories. When you say when, when independence came, is that that's when that's after like twenty fourteen? Yeah. So uh, okay. kind of like the timeline, right? So end of two thousand thirteen, Maidan starts. I think it was the very end of February 2014 when Maidan ended. Then uh, during spring, uh, we had, um, uh, well, we had uh, Crimea uh, being seized by by Russia. Uh, During the same time, we started having those uh, provocations and protests in Donetsk uh, for becoming independent. In May, in, I think it was like mid or end of May, uh, Ukraine had elections of the new president. Actually, in Donetsk, we couldn't, uh, there were no elections because they were fully blocked by uh, those uh, separatists. So, but uh, instead, <laughs> we had uh, elections uh, or kind of like the referendum for independence. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I left uh, Donetsk in, uh, in the end of uh, June 2014 and uh, I think uh, on this referendum in May, uh, referendum, again, um, I'm saying it in the most ironic way, uh, it was decided that uh, Donetsk and kind of like the regions, and I think Lugansk, uh, which is a neighboring region as well, they went in uh, the same way. So uh, I I, want to get like, uh, before we go, I I just want to ask you, like, what has the last, um, what has the last week been like for you? Like, what have you been doing? Uh, like doom scrolling, like the rest of us, or uh, you know, yeah. what's it been like? I, I honestly, I don't really remember what was my context for like the beginning of the week. Uh, but it's, it's just slow. been that it's been that much of a whirlwind that it's like, I know. what's even, yeah. But I just remember that on Wednesday already, I was like, I already felt so bad. Um, we had, uh, so, uh, ironically, uh, 24th, so Thursday is, uh, Independence Day in Estonia and, uh, it's a free day. So, um, it's a holiday, um, weekend, not really sure what's the correct word, but anyways, we gotcha. don't go to work. 
So Wednesday is also a short day. And uh, I remember like going through Wednesday, being so completely anxious, like nothing was happening yet. There were just like lots of talks on the media that something might happen, that the war might start anytime soon, but those talks were going on for weeks. Um, Yeah, but for some reason, like apparently for me, it reached some uh, peak. uh, And on Wednesday, I was very anxious. I couldn't like properly work or focus on anything. And, uh, but I didn't think that anything's going to happen at definitely not, not tomorrow, not next day. But right. then, uh, uh, then I woke up on Thursday and, uh, my boyfriend who, who has family, uh, in, uh, in Kiev, he said that, uh, the war has started and I don't know, just, it was completely messed up. I, I, I honestly, I don't even know what I felt. I don't remember in details what I felt. Right now, when I'm trying to think about it, I guess it was mainly shock and eventually just feeling physically ill through the whole day. Yeah. Just, yeah, just ridiculous. Uh, Friday, well, Friday, it was already easier in a sense. Um, At least uh, I wasn't puking the whole day from the stress. Right, uh, right, that right. helped, and uh, yeah, we already at least we had the first win because it was just so scary. I mean, definitely no way scary as uh, for people who actually currently in Ukraine, but it was it was very scary, and I guess it's normal. But I would also feel very guilty that like we are here. How can we help? Um, I guess on Thursday, we also were donating money and like figuring out the most uh, basic stuff and preparing for for worst to come during the night because it was already clear that like most of the big fights, they happened during the night. Right. And it was scary because, I mean, Russia's army is is humongous. They have a lot of manpower. They have a lot of warfare. So I I don't think like I honestly believe that I was prepared for the worst. Um and uh yeah on Friday when I woke up uh it was it was much better than I expected. Uh so yeah I don't remember the specifics I'm sorry but well, better in the sense, like, were you, are you still in contact with people who are there? Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Like, what yeah. we do right now is, uh, um, yeah, of course, in contact, uh, writing to friends uh, were possible. Not as much as maybe needed, but honestly, I also cannot help them anyhow. Like, asking them, how right. are you, is not going to be helpful. Like, right. the best I can do is mobilize Estonians. Because again, like I cannot be sending information on what to do to Ukrainians. I don't have that many, like the wide net of Ukrainians. I haven't been there for, I haven't lived there for six years. What I've been doing is mobilizing Estonians as much through like my social media, whom I know. I know that lots of my friends have already donated money, donated any kind of humanitarian aid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, for the last three days together with uh, other friends uh, working in the IT sector who mainly are from Ukraine as well, but living abroad, we were also working on solutions for how to help uh, people in Ukraine right now. Also working with uh, PR specialists from Ukraine or Ukrainians living abroad to spread the news 
So kind of like volunteering as much as possible because I don't know, it really helps to take your mind off things. But I w- I also was never as angry as I was yesterday. And helping and doing something really helps to not direct this anger inside, but to work yeah. with it. Yeah. I, I mean, are there going there are going to be a lot of Ukrainians coming in um to, you know, I uh, you know are who are who are leaving now are going to be in in Poland and uh some in Estonia I don't know I, again you know I'm I'm sure uh trying to help uh, is going to be uh, uh is a good way to keep your mind off something in any crisis and then you're being useful I guess so I don't know that's how I feel but um yeah I I um I I Honestly, it's 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 tough for me to. I have so many questions, but it's tough for me to. Uh, I, I I don't know what to say, and I don't know <laughs> what to to ask you in this in this limited time we have. But um, you know, is there anything else uh, about this experience that you want to share uh, before uh, but but before we we go? And obviously, we could talk again. Um, I'm I'm also um, you know looking forward to to reaching out to other people I, I met on that trip. But um, yeah, uh, what 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 do you plan on on doing next um and hope and uh what are people from inside ukraine telling you maybe that's 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 another thing that, uh, that i'd like to hear well first of all what i plan to do next is um i requested a vacation uh so oh yeah i can focus more on volunteering um definitely cannot focus on work right now yeah uh another thing is so what people in Ukraine are doing, so many people are doing so many different things, but I'm very proud. I never doubted it, but I'm never proud anyways to see how much volunteering we have right now. So people who actually like, just run away from the bomb shelters back to their house, but they do so much things like from PR, from IT point of view to help people in Ukraine, to help soldiers, etc. Um, to people who are listening to podcasts, remember that you can help. Um, you don't necessarily need to, no one expects you to, but your help matters. There are different ways you can help. You can donate. I'm pretty sure Max can link a couple of resources. What are different ways, whatever, for soldiers, for children, for humanitarian aid. You can spread, uh, spread the word. Please check I'll your put resources. It on the show yeah. notes page, if you can get me afterwards. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, please spread the word as well, uh, because, well, information right now matters. Uh, I know that Ukrainians know very well what is going on. Europeans do as well. But I'm not so sure that people in uh, out, like out, other parts of the world that they have full information. No, so we only think sharing, we do. The- sharing matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Polina, thank you so much for coming on. And I don't, you know, most people come on the show. They we talk about uh, machine learning and AI, and we we don't talk about uh, such emotional issues. And so I no. uh, I appreciate you you doing this because I, you know I I I I know it's not it's it's not so so easy of a thing to to talk about and people who have listened to my show for many years or even can even tell like I'm a little bit <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit tongue tied in a way that I'm I'm usually not uh, when I'm when I'm doing these interviews so thank you so much please keep in touch maybe 
w- once the crisis is over, we can talk about some uh, some technical topic, and you could come back on, and we could do that. I, I'd really appreciate that as well. And so I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for inviting, and yeah. All right. This uh, really was an incredible conversation. Polina sent me a link to supportukrainenow.org, which I said I'll post on the show notes page, which is localmaxradio.com slash 215, localmaxradio.com slash 215. Uh, I want to highlight a couple places there that I'm personally going to look into donating, one being the Red Cross, uh, but also there's a crypto section, unchained.fund, where you could send crypto mainly Ethereum in my case. I didn't see, that was the one that I didn't see the Bitcoin for some reason, but you could send Ethereum and, and, and they specialize in humanitarian needs. Interestingly enough, this is the first major conflict, I think, in which cryptocurrencies are playing a major role. Naomi Brockwell, who uh, you know has uh, her, her own podcast uh, and, uh, and, and, and um, is, is very up to date on the world of crypto, and who's been on the uh, Local Maximum episode 37, uh, she tweeted recently, crypto is the hero for all sides in this war. Ukrainians are accepting crypto donations and fleeing the country with it. And with the Russian ruble down 40%, people who are currently being pro- uh, persecuted for the actions of their dictator are now able to safeguard some of their wealth. Uh, even the Ukrainian army is accepting Bitcoin donations. They're getting tens of millions of dollars, at least, I saw on the website. So it doesn't escape me uh, also that, you know, the rise of cryptocurrencies as sound money is supposed to lead to a more peaceful future. And now, you know, armies are raising in it, but that's that's legitimate. If hard money replaces fiat, that would make it difficult to have these types of superpower armies that you see today. Uh, and, you know, you got to pray that something like that comes to fruition before it's too late because things are really coming to a head. But if the ruble is down and individual Russian citizens are getting into um, things like Bitcoin, that might be a good start for both freedom in Russia and peace and hopefully independence for Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine has been the number 11 country in the last year. I looked this up in terms of people listening to the local maximum. Now, we have we don't have a lot of listeners from Ukraine in the last week. So, but I assume that um, some of you who were in Ukraine might uh, might now not be there. So, still, if you're listening, I hope everyone out there gets out of harm's way and uh, uh, stay safe out there. And local maximum will return um, Monday night, Tuesday morning, as usual. We'll continue with a variety of topics as as uh, as as we normally do. It's not going to be all Ukraine all, all the time, but we'll also cover Ukraine-related topics in the coming weeks. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.